Got a phrase I want you to keep in mind tonight. Ready? What's your price? Now, not what's your price for an air conditioner tonight. I don't care. What's your price? You got it? Now, a few years ago, there was a survey taken of a number of people. And they asked them, what would you do for $10 million? Got that? And there were a number of different things on the list. 38% said they would euthanize their pet for $10 million. <laughs> you guys are shocked. <gasps> my pet. It's my kid. It's really not, but you think it is. 25% would abandon their families for $10 million. 8% would have one limb surgically removed. 7% would kill a stranger. Some of you would kill somebody you know. Only 1% would have their tongue cut out, which I thought was interesting, for $10 million. But two-thirds of those surveyed would have done something on the list for $10 million. You got that? Now, you're sitting there saying, I wouldn't do any of that stuff for $10 million. And probably you wouldn't. And your price might not be $10 million. But some of you are willing to do just about anything to have the life you want to live. And it's probably not even $10 million. It's probably a whole lot less than $10 million that you're willing to do to get the life that you want to live. You got that? Now, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Mark 8. We're going to be in Mark 8 tonight. While you're turning, I'm going to tell you another story I read a few years ago. I read a story of an antique dealer who a woman came in his shop and said, can you find me a nice desk for $400? He said, I'll try. He went to an auction, saw a nice desk that he could buy for $200, so he could sell it to her for $400. He thought it was a nice reproduction of a Jefferson desk. Took it back to his shop. Another antique dealer saw it and said, that's not a reproduction. That's a one-of-a-kind Jefferson desk worth $250,000. Now, he had no deposit from the woman. He had nothing legally binding, nothing in writing. He had just verbally said, I'll try to find you a desk. Now you're thinking, if you were that guy, what would you do? Get that? What's your price? All right, we're in Mark 8. Jesus makes a statement that deals with this question about what our price is. It starts in verse 34. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation... Of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. 
Jesus' statement is, deals with this question of what our price is. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? Or what would you give in return or in exchange for your soul? What's your price? What's your price to gain the whole world? You got that? That's what Jesus is asking. What's your price that you'll give? Now, we've got to figure out some terms in here first to figure out exactly what he's talking about. Because in verse 35, he uses the word your life. In verse 36, he uses the word your soul. They're the same word in the original language. And it's a word we know something of, the word psyche. What he's talking about is the real you. Your real personality, your real self, your real life. All of us have a certain amount of life to expend on things, don't we? And a lot of times we only have one shot at important decisions. But we have a, an amount of life to spend. We have an amount of ourselves to spend on what we want to do in life. That's what Jesus is talking about. Life or soul here is the real you. The real you that lives. So what do you value the most? Got that in your head? What do you value the most? What's your price to live the life you want? Now you got two choices here. Verse 34, the first choice was, come after me, come after Jesus. Second choice, in verse 36, is to gain the whole world. That's your two choices. Come after Jesus, gain the whole world. I'm going to tell you something up front. You cannot do both. I didn't say you wouldn't try. You got that? You may try, but you can't do both. There are two opposite choices that Jesus is talking about. Now, he's got another thing in here. When he's talking about gaining the whole world, what's he talking about? What's the whole world? Well, John talks about that in 1 John, right? When he says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And then he defines the world for us. For all that is in the world, and he says it's got three things, right? Some of you know this. The lust or desires of the flesh, the lust or desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that's all that the world is about. So what are the desires of the flesh? That means living for what feels good. Living for pleasure. Living for happiness. Living for what makes your body happy. That's what the world says should be a top priority. What's the lesser desire of the eyes? Living for what comes in through your eyes. Right? Either you've got to see stuff that you want to see, and because everybody says you have to see this, everybody has to go to this movie because you want to see it, right? And you live for the next thing you can see. The second thing you live for is what you see you want. And if you want it, what do you do? You get it. Because your eyes see it and you want it. And that's the way most people live, don't they? Pride of life is pretty obvious, isn't it? Your ego. Living to feel important. To feel acknowledged by others. To feel like you have standing or you have stature. Or feel like you have power. You matter to everybody else in some way. And so when he's saying what the whole world is, 
What would you do to gain the whole world? To gain everything the world says to do. To do everything you can to have anything that will make your body happy, your eyes happy, or your ego happy. That's the whole world. What do you value the most? What is it you think you have to have to have real life? I'll read you a list. You think of some of these. Do you have to have financial security? Is that what you live for? Health, fitness, beauty? Is that what's most important to you? How about personal accomplishments or recognition? Certificates on the wall, right? Trophies. Is that what's most important to you? Love or relationships. Will you do whatever you have to do to have that? Authority in some way over other people. How about survival? Self-preservation. Security in life. Is that what's most important to you? How about adventure? Anybody here live for adventure? Got a couple of hands over up there. How about roller coasters? There's a couple of you. Some of us live for roller coasters. Family. Will you do anything for the, have the family you want? Work. You value work. Who values work? You realize a lot of people value work because they feel affirmed at work or they're climbing the ladder at work. They got a certain place they want to get to or just your personal freedom. The freedom to live the life you want. What do you value the most? You realize advertisers love these things, right? All your advertising's about this. You've heard it all. What will you give of your life to go for the gusto? To have it your way. What's the new one now? I heard the other day from Grubhub. I want it all, and I want it now. Hey, you all knew that. You've heard the commercial already, haven't you? What would you do for a Klondike? No, that's probably didn't work there. Now, according to advertisers, you can go after anything you want, and there are no consequences. You got that? Jesus says that's a lie. What's he tell us in verse 35? We're looking at other words in here. For whoever would save his life will lose it. The word lose there is the word for totally destroy. Whoever tries to save his life will totally destroy it. Or verse 36. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit? Some of you had the word lose there. Lose his soul. That's a word for experience injury or damage to yourself. So what's Jesus' question here? What's your price? What will you spend your life on? What will you give up? What will you do to attempt to gain what the world, what yourself, what your eyes, what your ego says is most important, even if it destroys or damages yourself? What are you willing to do to have that? That's Jesus' question. And you all understand this is all for temporary stuff because we're told the desires of the world will pass away and we know we're going to pass away. We don't live forever. So we're talking about being willing to destroy our lives or damage ourselves for temporary things. Now, here's your options. To gain the whole world 
You have to live it up. You have to live your life the way that pleases you. And Jesus says in verse 34, if you want to come after me, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. There are two completely separate paths here, aren't they? Two completely different ways to go. Now, Here's what's also interesting. In verse 34, there really are two groups he's talking to here, and he's using some of the same principles to talk to two different groups in really two kind of different ways, the same but different. In verse 34, what's he do? He calls the crowd to him with his disciples. You see that? Two different groups. So who's the crowd? Evidently the crowd are those who are not yet coming after him. They are coming to listen to him, right? The crowds came to Jesus all the time to listen to him, but they weren't necessarily coming after him like disciples were. These were people who thought, the world is all there is. Getting what I need is most important. You understand that's why most of the crowds followed Jesus? Because he gave them what they needed? They needed food. What's he do? Some fish and bread. Everybody gets food. They need healing. They all, and they all would follow him for what made their life better. So this crowd are those not necessarily coming after him, thinking the world is all there is to live for, and in fact thinking, I've got all the time in the world to do what I want to try to do. Got it? Now, what's going to happen to these people? Verse 35. Whoever will save his life will fully destroy it. That's the word lose there. You will fully destroy your life if your goal is gaining the whole world. Verse 37. What's your price? What would you give in return for your soul? You realize the word, world for your soul is not an even trade-off. It's not even close. We think it is, but it's not. Why isn't it? Let me read you something in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, 13, he's talking to another crowd. Somebody in the crowd says to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. How many family battles have we seen over inheritance? Anybody seen it in their families? Over stupid stuff that doesn't matter. But they battle over it. So here's somebody saying, Teacher, tell my family, my brother, to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And Jesus said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. You've got years to go to relax and eat and drink and be merry to gain the whole world. But God said to him, Fool, this night your souls required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. 
You want to gain the whole world and leave God out? You'll fully destroy your life. Look at Mark 8, verse 38. That's why he says this. For those who want to gain the whole world and not follow Christ, whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Jesus said in Matthew 26, 28, don't fear somebody who can kill your body. You better fear the one who can destroy your soul and body in hell. That's the one you better pay attention to. Jesus also said, you deny me before the Father, I'll deny you. You want to say what's more important is what you can gain in the world? What you need to do to live your life? Then fine, you will fully destroy the life that you're given. Now, is there a solution to that? He gave us one in verse 35, didn't he? Whoever would save his life will fully destroy it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. You want to save the life, the person you really are? There's only one way to do it. For Christ said, for my sake and the gospels. You say, what's the gospel? It's the good news. That Jesus Christ came and died for your sins. And all you have to do is confess your sin and accept him. But it's all about Christ and it's about the gospel. Because that's the only, we've been singing that tonight, haven't we? That's the only thing that gives us life. The world is not real life. We're living in it. We enjoy it because God gives us all things to enjoy. But this is not real life. Do you understand that? If this is the only life we live, we fully destroy ourselves. Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Acts 16.31, and they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Give up the life you think you want for him and the gospel. Your life is fully saved that's the only solution and for some of you that's the decision you have to make tonight who are you going to look to for life yourself the world the people around you or to Christ because nobody else can give it to you everything else destroys your life so that's the first group that's the crowd there's a second group wasn't there he called the crowd to him with his disciples. Those are the ones who said, we are coming to him. We are following him. We are committed to follow him. And yet he tells them the same idea. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose your own soul? What's your price to gain what the world and what yourself says is important, even if you say you're a follower of Christ? What's your price? What's most important to have the life you think you want to live, or you live really what the world tells you you should live? What's your price? Verse 36 tells you what? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Damage who he really is. That's the word. That's the idea. For those who will be his disciples. 
You can't fully destroy your life. Your life is in Christ. But you can damage the true person you are. I didn't finish the story of the antique dealer, did I? What did this guy do? First thing he did is told the lady how much the desk was worth. Then she said, I don't want to buy it. Because she thought the price would be way steeper. So what he did was sold the desk, gave her all the money but $200. And you say, what an idiot. Was he? By the way, I didn't tell you, this was a follower of Christ. And he determined that money was not a good switch off for what his real life was. That the money itself was not important enough to damage who he really was spiritually. Because the only reason he bought that desk was why? A woman asked him to buy a desk. Other than that, he would not have bought that desk. The whole thing was for her. And he determined it's more important to do what's right than to make money out of this deal and give up something about myself and damage myself spiritually. Isn't that interesting? Let me tell you the problem with this idea of you're going to damage your soul if you try to gain the whole world. The problem is, in the short term, this damage can't be seen. In fact, many times we think there is no damage, that our compromise doesn't cause us any problems. Because many times it doesn't. It sometimes works out very successfully. We're very happy for a while, and we think no damage was done to me by compromising my standards to have something the world says was important. Well, let me ask some, some examples from Scripture. You ready for this? What did Adam and Eve want that they couldn't have? What did they want? A piece of fruit. Now having that fruit did no damage to them, right? In the short term, they probably didn't think it did. Other than they knew they were ashamed, they were naked, they knew there was a little problem with God. But ultimately you realize they probably didn't realize they had a real problem until their sons had a problem and one son killed the other one. By the way, did them wanting that piece of fruit that was so important to them cause us any problems? Yeah. How about Lot? Anybody know the story of Lot and Abraham? Remember they're traveling together and their herds get too large to be together. And so Abraham says to Lot, I'll let you choose first where you want to go. And why did Lot choose where he went? desired the eyes. He saw the plains. They were well watered. He saw the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah where he could do business and hopefully make some money. And he thought, the best place to go, I'll go where I know I shouldn't go, but I'll try to influence them righteously. Didn't do any damage to Lot, did it? Do any damage to his family? But he didn't see it for how long? You remember Samson? Samson had a problem. What did he, what did he value? Good-looking women. And valued his intelligence. He thought he could mess around, and he could fool around, and he could fool them, and no damage would ever happen to him, right? 
What did it end up costing him? First his eyes, then his life. Well, King David, surely he didn't value something he shouldn't have, did he? One day he sees Bathsheba, figures he got away with something, because it's a year before he's confronted with this. By the way, did it do any damage to David? Read Psalm 32 and Psalm 51. Did it do any damage to his family? How about his son Solomon? You realize Solomon wrote a whole book where he tried to gain everything the world said was important. It's called Ecclesiastes. Did it do any damage to Solomon? And it split the kingdom in the end. What does it profit you to gain everything the world says is so valuable, everything your flesh says is valuable, everything you see with your eyes, and damage who you really are? What do you gain? Probably the saddest verse I know in Scripture is 2 Timothy 4.10, where the Apostle Paul said this, Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. You think it did any damage to Demas? What's Jesus asking? What's your price for gaining what the world says is important? What will you give in return for the life you want? What will you compromise to get what you want? 1 Timothy 6.9 says this, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. What does it profit you to gain the whole world and damage who you are? So what will you compromise of what you believe, of your biblical standards, of your morals? What will you compromise to get the laugh? What will you compromise to get the grade or get the pay when you didn't do all the work or you didn't do your best effort? What's it worth? What will you compromise to get the girl or get the guy that you think you have to have? What will you compromise to get back at somebody so you feel good about yourself? What will you compromise to hide that sin that you're doing? How many lies are you willing to tell? What are you willing to do to get ahead of others? What's my phrase for tonight? What's your price? And if you figured out for most of us, it's a whole less than $10 million that we'll many times compromise for something that the world tells us is so important to have and it does damage to us to have it. What's the solution? Verse 34. Here's our solution. If anyone would come after me, what do you got to do? Let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross. And in their culture, they understood that always meant death. And follow me. That's the only solution to not try to gain the whole world and avoid damaging who you really are. You must deny yourself. You must figure out what's more valuable to me. What might damage me spiritually if I do this? What do I have to compromise to do this? Then I know it's going to cause me damage. 
It might even cost you more than that. Let me read you this story from World War II. During World War II, a missionary, John Wolfinger, was leading a group of about 100 Christians in Borneo. When the Japanese military took control of the island, they sought to arrest the missionary and execute him. The Christians came up with a plan to hide him. Wolfinger reasoned that by running from his captors, he would be giving his new converts the wrong picture of God. When they urged him further, he explained that when the Japanese Wolfinger was hiding, his followers would have to lie, and that was unacceptable. So rather than risk leaving his followers with compromised pictures of God's character, Wolfinger stayed, was captured, and was executed. What's your price? to live the real life that even death can't affect for us because we have life after death. Now, fortunately, we don't usually have to give up our life in our culture for these things like he did here. But what do I gain? What do I gain by denying myself, taking my cross, following me, and not trying to gain the whole world. Well, verse 35, the same answer as we had before. Whoever would save his life will destroy it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. The less you damage your life, the more life you have to spend on things that are eternally reality that are real life to spend yourself on the things that really count you have life to spend on that other than that you damage or destroy who you are what's your price and by the way the price for the life that really lives was already paid for us. We don't have to pay anything for it. Which would you rather have? A life you pay for with things you don't want to pay for or a life that's already paid for you? It's not even a trade-off, is it? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you have told us what's important in life. To follow you, to come after you not to gain what this world says is so important and will do us damage. I pray for anybody here who has not accepted you as his or her Savior, that they would understand that's the only way to get true life, and they would turn to you tonight. The rest of us, I would pray that if we have been valuing things that are not things that you value, that you'll help us turn away from them and live our lives to serve you. Amen.